Miller. On this week's episode of Tiger Turf Talk, we host Pamela Sherritt, the sports turf specialist for The Ohio State University. It was such an honor to have Pamela on today. She is one of the leading um, educators in sports turf management, especially when it comes to collegiate level. She's been a part of so many different organizations, uh, not just in the United States, but internationally. Um, We really dive into what she does at Ohio State and just discuss all the different aspects of what the program provides. Uh, We talk about the online school that is an industry-leading area for a lot of sports turf managers that are looking to further their education while working in the industry. Uh, we also discuss the international internship program they've developed at Ohio State, um, discussing different students that have interned at Wimbledon or Arsenal or all these different fantastic venues internationally. Um, it truly is uh, inspiring to students who want to take that next step and really go and see the world while working in this incredible industry. Um, we had such a fantastic time talking with her about what the program is and how students are able to have unique opportunities and what our students could benefit from an education at Ohio State. Um, and again, it was just it was awesome to have her on. Um, and discuss her passion for sports turf and how she wants to move towards more extension agent work um, outside of the classroom to bring more students to the industry, which our program is all about. Um, And it truly was incredible to hear what she has going on and what she has in store for the future. So you definitely want to listen to this episode um, fully. Um, We hope you enjoy this episode of Tiger turf talk good afternoon and welcome to the 54th episode of tiger turf talk i'm your host drew miller today we have on a very special guest we have pamela sherritt the sports turf specialist for the ohio state university yes i said the uh, <laughs> matt brown trained me well when i did that how are you doing today I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Of course. We really appreciate you taking the time. So over the years, uh, I've actually learned about you through different people in the industry and different sports turf managers uh, that graduated from Ohio State. Um, You're very well known. I actually had the pleasure of meeting you. You probably don't remember me, but uh, at one of the STMA conferences and you're from England and you had a a long time frame where you were working in England with sports turf before coming over to the United States. Could you sort of talk about what it was that brought you to sports turf and what really brought you to this point where you're at Ohio state now? Yeah. So um, I'm from an arable background. I was born in a little village in England and always did Saturday jobs and summer jobs, you know, packing beets and cutting cabbages and packing potatoes and doing all that kind of stuff. And then I left school at 16, which actually a lot of English kids do. And um, I went on this scheme called the government training scheme. And I worked at a greenhouse, uh, a a pot plant nursery and went to college one day a week. And it was called a youth training scheme. Uh, We did 40 hours a week and we only got paid 25 pounds for the week. 
So we actually, actually, we always nicknamed it the uh, youth torture scheme, but that sort of solidified that I wanted to work with plants. And I went to college to do horticulture. I wanted to be a landscape designer. I didn't know anything about turf. I didn't even know it was an option. I think that's the same for a lot of people. And, and then I got a job at a college as an instructor in like the greenhouses and the plants. And I started working a little bit with the turf team and we'd go to these British open venues and places like Liverpool football club. And then that just was like, Oh my gosh, this is it. I found my spot. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So that got me into sports turf. I think I sort of stumbled on it like a lot of people do. Um, and then people from Ohio State knew people from Myersco College where I was working and they speak at each other's conferences. So I came over for a bit of a jolly in 1998. I came to work at the turf farm for Carl Dannyberger and just loved it. And a position opened up while I was here and I applied for it and right place, right time, knowing the right people, making the right connections. It all just, it all just fell into place. And uh, I got to come here as a research technician and do my master's. And so that's that's a long-winded version of how I ended up here. That's incredible. You got to love how serendipity brings you to the point in time where it changes everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, now, with all of that, um, obviously, there's a difference. And we've had a few guests on that you probably know from uh, the UK. Uh, um I'm blanking right now on the people, but a person from Wimbledon, Wembley, uh, Carl Stanley and uh, Will Briarly. I'm sure you know them. Um, Could you sort of speak to what you've seen sort of in your time, the difference between sports surf managers in England and sports surf managers here in the U.S.? So I think one of the big differences that shocked me when I came here was just the extremes in temperature and humidity and things like that. So Um, You know, when I was in England, in the northwest of England, when we taught diseases to students, we'd see one disease. We'd see a fusarium patch and that would be it. Uh, We might see a little bit of anthracnose, but nothing major. Um, We had uh, leather jackets was the the insect problem that we had problems with the European crane fly larva. Um, But we really didn't have the insect and disease pressure that we have here. So coming here and learning that there's 12 di- turf grass diseases in Ohio and perennial ryegrass gets all of them, uh, that was a big difference. Uh, so that the extremes and the stresses that the grasses are under here with the heat and humidity was a, was a big change. Um, everything is, well, it may have changed now, but when I was there, everything is sort of walked behind. We call it pedestrian, pedestrian mowers, pedestrian line markers, you know, um, walk behind aerators and things like that. I think the groundsmen in England and groundswomen in England, they they do a lot of walking. They have a lot of pedestrian and walk behind equipment. They're really careful about soil compaction. Um, and that might be to do with the rain, because, again, from the northwest of England, where I'm from, we get about the same amount of rain in Ohio. But in Ohio, we get it in these big thunderstorms. And in Liverpool, where I'm from, it just you just get a little bit every day. It can be quite depressing sometimes. <laughs> um but it does, you know, they're worried about soil compaction and, and, and saturated soils on these fields. So I think that's probably why they do a lot of the stuff by hand and, and walk behind. Um, the technology has been incredible. I think Europe, Europe has led the way on, on some of this fantastic technology that's coming out with, you know, the light technology that we've got um, started in, in the, um, Holland, obviously, and um, uh, just just the techniques that come out, I think the 
I think they take it very seriously. You know, football is like a religion over there. Um, soccer, as you'd say. Um, and so those fields are treated like hallowed grounds. And uh, I remember taking a student <laughs> to a soccer pitch, some American students to a soccer pitch on a study we did years ago, a study tour. And the groundsman, I'm not going to say who it was, but he asked us to walk uh, with the stripe so that we wouldn't footprint against the against the striped grass. So um, that's how those fields are treated. But I see that here too. I mean, the, the fields over here are amazing. They look as good on the last day of the season as they did on the first. I mean, that's how far the technology's come. So yeah, those are some of the differences. Absolutely. I need a, a few pedestrian things in my life to lose some weight. That's for sure. Hmm. Uh, and you should have brought over just the one uh, disease, you know, per field to the U.S. That'd be great, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yep. With everything, you've been at Ohio State for quite some time now. Um, could you sort of discuss your program and how you sort of uh, have developed it since you first arrived in Columbus? Yeah, so when I when I first came to Ohio State, it was very much a golf-driven, a golf course management-driven program. Um, Dr. Street was, who was actually my boss for several, for many years, he retired a few years ago. He would do the sports turf and the lawn care side of things, but it was predominantly golf. And our students were going to go off and, and work in golf. And then I came over from England and my passion was sports turf. And so um under the you know mentorship of, of Dr. Street, we we sat down and we said, what can we do? You know, we came up with extension materials. Uh, we developed the sports turf management certificate. We developed the first baseball field management certificate in the country and got that online. Um, we put on seminars and short courses. Um, we wrote magazine articles about sports turf. So really it was that developed when I first came here that I think I was the first sports turf extension specialist in the country i think there's a few now um it used to just be a turf grass extension specialist and i think i was the first to actually be sports turf specific um, and so john and i just looked at all the different ways that we could reach out to ohio and the nation and and get these because there was not a lot of materials in sports turf out other than what stma was putting out um, this is pre-podcast and pre, you know, pre-YouTube even, you know, pre all, all, the, all the stuff we use today. Back in 99, it wasn't there. So uh, it was, you know, handouts and fact sheets and face-to-face um, and, and -face seminars and things like that. But the, the, I think the online certificate programs are what I'm probably most proud of in that we're able to get those two out to the industry professionals. That's made a big difference. And then and then we're trying to, like everybody else, we're trying to get young people in. So a few years ago, we started pre-COVID, we started doing a summer STEM camp in turf and, and opening that up to middle school students. And it was great. And we did it for two years and then COVID hit. Uh, so we did not do it in 2020. And then we didn't do it again this year, uh, just because, you know, not everybody was vaccinated. We didn't know what was going on. Uh, we're definitely doing it next year. So we're going to get ready to launch that date. And we're one of the things we want to continue to do is get to young people at, at the middle school and high school level and, and just at least tell them that this career exists. So that's been a major focus for me the last few years. That's incredible. And I, and I, I gave a presentation STMA last year virtually, and we're actually going with our kids. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that yet or not, but 
Um, <laughs> we're talking about how just again, what you're doing, just letting people know that we're a thing, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy to me to talk about how, like when I was coming up, I had no idea about it. I played baseball my entire life and sports turf manager never came to my head until my freshman year of college, you know, which is crazy, you know? Um, so I, I love it. And that's incredible what you're doing there. Um, could you sort of speak a little bit more into the online courses that you developed uh, and where they're available? I know a couple of uh, co-workers of mine who, again, like you said, sports turfs usually kind of found, whether that's like on purpose or whether that's maybe you fell into a job and you sort of fell in love with it. You guys have the option of that online course that is huge for those people. Um, Crystal Wallace, I believe, is one of the people who had that kind of situation come up where they were able to uh, take that online uh, certificate and apply it to his job in baseball, you know? Um, could you sort of speak to that a little bit more and how more people have been, again, sort of drawn to Ohio State because of that? Yeah, so um, Dr. Danny Berger created the first one in golf course management. And then I think it's about a year after that, I developed the sports turf management one. And it is, um, it's it's changed a little bit over the years. We've got, and we've got a baseball one now. We've got a history of golf one. We've got an advanced turf one, advanced golf course management. And then I, th- I know you'd said on the email, you would you would notice the um, Latinos in the workforce. Uh, we had a faculty member called Claudio Passian who developed that. Um, he was from Argentina and he wanted to create something um, like that. And that's been pretty popular too. So, so we developed them with the premise that, you know, People want to continue their education, but they are obviously working full time and want to be able to take something at their own pace online when that while they're working. And then they'll be able to get a certificate and recognition from somewhere like Ohio State. Um, and we got CEUs from the STMA. So if you are working towards taking that CSFM exam, um, I think it's worth one point and then it's worth... Um, I think you get CEUs for when you get your e-certification each year too. So, so we partnered up a little bit with STMA on that. Um, and we just wanted to make it relevant. And we tried to include as much sort of hands-on and practical information as possible. So when I did the baseball one, um, Matt, do you know Matt Duncan? Um, yeah, Matt Duncan was, uh, he, he is a you know baseball field manager and he's, he works in the uh, seed company now, but he's, phenomenal guy when it comes to baseball and so he's a Penn Stater and um, I had him come down to Ohio State and I made him wear an Ohio State polo shirt <laughs> which I'm so, sure was I'm sure he him. loved that and I'm sure his his uh, alumni are very interested in that <laughs> he said uh, just so you know I'm wearing Penn State socks and underwear so <laughs> uh, I, th- he- I think you still won that situation if I'm being honest you know, <laughs> but he was so great because he came down and he spent a couple of days with me and he helped me create videos actually showing people, you know, dragging an infield and talking about how you drag it properly and how you position bases and how you measure a field. And and then we went down and we met with Doug when Doug Gallant was the head groundskeeper at the Reds. Uh, so this is a few years ago. We went down there and we got videos of them repairing mounds and doing things like that. So. So it's not just a, we wanted to make it so that it's not just a here's a book, read this book. And when you've read this book, take a quiz. Um, so we've got YouTube videos and we're trying to make it, you know, practical, helpful, fun, 
um, easygoing and uh, and helpful, obviously fun and helpful. So, so those are the certificates. We have them on our website, Ohio State, our Buckeye Turf websites and, and different places um, on social media. And we get people from all over the world. Um, one of the nice things we were able to do last year, a lot of the students that could not go out and do their internships on baseball fields, uh, we offered it to them for free. And we had 22 students from across the country take that baseball certificate online for free just so they could at least do something over the summer because they couldn't do their internship. So, you know, we've, we've done things like that. We're able to, we have a program where we offer scholarships and, and f- these online classes free to um, veterans. Um, so that's something nice that we like to do. If it's a student from another college who's like, I'd like to do it, but I don't have any money <laughs> as our students are. Uh, we do that. I had um, a high school reach out to me in Ohio. The high school students wanted to take it and I, I, I offered it to them for free too. So we obviously, we want to make a little bit of money. That's for the for my program. That's one of the reasons I've developed it so they can make some money for my program. But it's really nice to be able to work with students and with vets and with, you know, interns that couldn't do that couldn't go to their internship it's been able it's been really nice to do those kind to use it as a tool to keep people interested in the industry so um yeah it's it's a great program and i know there's several universities around the country around the country that have these online certificates too and i'd encourage everyone to to take them because you know you learn something new every day right you're always learning absolutely Especially in our classroom when kids find ways to break things, you know, <laughs> always learning how some things can happen in certain ways. But no, that's incredible. And I and I think you guys and maybe Penn State were the leaders in that. So it's it's definitely incredible to see it's expanding to different uh, schools. Um, I think Virginia Tech just came out with theirs this past year. I could be wrong, but I'm like, again, it's you guys have had it for so long and it's great to see elsewhere. Um I think Georgia has one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the other one. I was like NC State, maybe I could be wrong. And then Georgia sounds more correct. I apologize. Um, <laughs> with that, um, how have you seen your role change at Ohio State? Uh, maybe in good ways and maybe in bad ways um, since you first started there back in '99. So when I started here, um, all the staff were paid like all the staff were paid hard funded um, by the university. And then or some, some, some of the staff were paid by the programs that they served. Um, well, everything, all the funding got kind of changed. And if you remember, we went through this, you know, the sort of a depression and the stock market and all that was, that was sort of right after I got here. And um, so I went from, from having to, I went on soft money. So Dr. John Street would raise, he would do research that would help pay for my salary. And then we'd put on short courses and things like that to raise money. Um, And then the department came to me and said, okay, hang on, we can help you here. If you teach classes, we can more than justify, you know, going back to paying you hard funded. So about 10 years ago, I started teaching one of the plant science classes um, for the department, as well as my sports turf classes. And now I'm up to about a thousand students a year that I teach. Um, And I'd say the good thing about that is that I get to interact with a thousand students a year. But the bad thing about that is that I don't get to have personal relationships with those students. It's very difficult to come up with fun, hands-on 
stuff that you can make really good connections with students when you've got so many. Um, so like this semester I have in my plant science class, I have 250 students. And in my sports turf management class, I think I have about 60. Um, so it just, it just becomes a challenge to make those connections because I like to have relationships with the students. I don't want to just, you know, be grading assignments and ticking boxes. I think those relationships, especially if we want to get people in the industry, we've got to build those relationships. So uh, that's what's changed. And so because I'm teaching so much, I haven't been doing as much um, outreach and extension. I still do a lot. Um, I still speak and write articles and do things like that, but there's so much more that I want to do. Um, I, you know, I'm so excited about all these different things I could be doing. I could be out in the state, you know, recruiting and and giving, you know, one day seminars somewhere or go around, you know, going around the high schools and talking to the, the students at these high schools, these ag programs, because there's quite a few ag programs in Ohio. Uh, so there's so much more than I want to do. And I have actually told, I have a new chair now, Dr. Doug Karcher. Um, he'd be great to have on your show. He's uh, he's a turf guy, you know, he's from uh, he's from Ohio, but he's he was a professor in Arkansas for many years. So he's on our, our new department chair and he's really excited and really enthused about building the turf program, recruiting young people. What can we do? How can we get out in the industry? How can we get out to all the different chapters and the different groups and, the, you know, the ag programs? And so I'm really excited about that. And he's asking me, it's really nice to have a boss that comes to you and says, what do you need? Like, what can I do? What do you need for me to help you do all these things you want to do? So I think my job will probably change in the next few years. I might step back a little bit from teaching and be able to get back in more into that extension and outreach, because I think that's probably my, um, that's my forte. I like people, you know, I like getting out and meeting people and, you know, telling silly stories and creating silly stories and uh, seeing people, seeing what people are up to, finding out what the industry is doing. That's really what I enjoy doing. So I hope that I'll take a little bit of a step back from teaching, pick up more extension and outreach. I used to do quite a bit of applied research and I don't do, as again, as much of that as, as I used to. Um, I still do some, but not anywhere near like I used to. So I think it's a, it's a good time for me to reflect. I've been here 20... Ooh, 22 years. Um, so I think it's time to reflect this year and especially with Doug coming on board for me to set some new goals. I think everybody should do that, right? You, you get stuck in a, in a rut and everybody likes to create and do new things. So it's time for me to do new things. 60 kids in a class is good though. You know, that's, that's a lot for a sports turf class. I know my sports, turf, I think it was like 12. So, and there was only two of us that graduated at the same time. So that's good though. Um, but yeah, and I, I think I forget the um, school. I, we follow them on Twitter. They have a good, they just started a turf program slash horticulture. I think it's like Sylvania or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I remember something. <laughs> yeah. So but, Brian, uh, the guy up there is called Brian Smith. Uh, yeah. It's Sylvania school systems. And he's got similar, he's got a similar program to yours. Um, I was just talking with him last week because uh, we're going to have him come to OTF, our Ohio Turf Conference, this December. Yep. He's going to come. And we're also going to get um, Leah Withrow from the Reno Aces. And we're going to try and have a panel and have a discussion about how we get how we get to these high schoolers and how we engage high schoolers and how can we make this 
you know, how can we make high schoolers want to join our industry and make it make it desirable, a desirable career for them? Um, Leah's so funny. She said, uh, if we're going to do this, it has to be nobody's allowed on the panel who's over 30. (laughs) (laughs) I I said, "Okay, well, I'm an old fart, so I guess I'm out. (laughs) We we talked to her, too. We had her on and I I didn't realize she was that young. It was pretty funny. We're the same. We're the same age. I was like, wait, what? You're 26. What? <laughs> I thought you were older, but no, that's awesome. And that's great. Um, definitely. I mean, there are a lot of kids out there. I mean, the biggest thing that I always have noticed in sort of our school and our program, there are a lot of kids that are sports aficionados and they love playing they love doing what they're doing, but they know that they're not going to the next level. And so when they're in class, they sort of develop a love for what we're doing to prep fields and whatnot, because they get to stay in the sport they love. That was what happened with me was uh, I was a failed college baseball player who wanted to stay in sports. And it was the perfect Avenue for me for staying outside and enjoying being outside as a job. Um, And it, Again, there are just so many kids that are just not aware of what it is. And I think that that'll be a great panel uh, to have that discussion. Um, uh, Let me know how it goes, because it'll be I'm sure you'll have some great results. And that's awesome. So um, I was here talking. I'm um, sorry. No, go ahead. What'd you say? I said, while we're sat here talking, my mind's racing and thinking, maybe I'll drop you an email, too. Maybe we can get you up to Columbus in December. Uh, Yeah, I. I'm good for a drive out to Columbus. That'd be great. Yeah. Just let me know. I'm always happy to help. Um, a lot of great people in Ohio too. I know. Uh, and I'm sort of going to segue into more questions with all this, um, especially in the immediate Columbus area. There are a lot of uh, sports turf managers that are sort of readily available to your students. I know uh, Matt Brown worked for the Columbus uh, Clippers and you have the Columbus crew in town and everything. Um, and sort of that goes along with that. How well are you able to sort of connect the students to those people? Um, whether that's working on the grounds, Crota House State, even though a lot of it is artificial, it's still part of our industry and still good to know. Um, what has that been like for you to sort of make those connections with those uh, sports turf managers to students that are looking to enter the industry? So on a regional level, it's very easy. Um, a lot of the groundskeepers that we have in, in and around Ohio are Ohio State grads. And so if they have a job opening, they'll email me or text me and I'll get that out to the students. Um, anytime we want to visit, anytime I want a student to who wants to reach out to a sports turf manager, I've never, I don't think I've ever had an instance where a sports turf manager has said no. And so regionally it's been it's been very easy and even internationally you know i like you're going to go into stma um i always bring a group to stma and i make sure that i tell them would it be nice to win the quiz bowl yes but the most most important thing is uh that you dress well and you represent the university and meet as many people as you can get out there go to all the receptions meet people because it is a very friendly industry as you know Uh, One of the things we do have at Ohio State, and it's very unique to Ohio State, we have an international internship program run by a guy called Mike O'Keefe. And he's run that program for three or four decades. (laughs) And um, he sends American green industry students out to Europe and Australia and Asia. And he also brings in students to America. And so um, 
I've been able to send Ohio State students to places like Arsenal Football Club, Wimbledon, um, golf courses in Ireland and Scotland and England and Australia. Um, so I've been able to do that for Ohio State students. But Mike doesn't just do that for Ohio State. He'll do that for any college in the country. So John Sorokin, Tennessee, he's sent Tennessee students over to Europe through Mike O'Keefe. Um, we've helped guys over at Brigham Young, Michigan State. I mean, he's, Mike will work with any turf program in the country to make those opportunities available to the students. Um, and that's been incredible. We've had people like, um, like Dan Bingle was a, an English student who came across and he worked at Columbus Crew. And now he runs the grounds at the American School in London, England. Um, but he's got those connections with the crew. So he'll he'll come over and he'll visit and he'll go and he'll, he'll volunteer at a big Columbus Crew game uh, because he's still got those connections. Um, I've probably sent about 10 students over the years to Arsenal Football Club. So people like John Torres over at Philadelphia Union, um, he's he worked at Arsenal. Um, and so... You know, we've got those international connections too. Amy Wilbur, she's a graduate, an ex-graduate student of ours who's now down at Mississippi uh, working on her PhD. She worked at Wimbledon a couple of years ago with Neil. So that international internship program has been absolutely phenomenal. So, you know, talk to your students about this too. The international opportunities are, are there and it's phenomenal. The places that you can go and you can work at through people like, you know, the Mike O'Keefe helps you navigate the visas and everything like that. But COVID hit hard last year and this year, but um, hopefully we'll get back to where we, <laughs> where we should be. All we can um, do is hope, right? I think, yeah. I think we're getting close with the vaccination rate. I don't know, but I'm, I'm trying to stay hopeful, you know, for herd immunity. We'll see. I, I, I can't, <laughs> can't keep up with all of it to be quite honest, but um with that, uh, one of our students, actually, he's a well, I have alumni at a few different schools now. One of them wants to go over to Wimbledon and I, I haven't talked to Will yet, but um, he would be he's one of those kids that's looking to study with turf. You know, that was one of the reasons he entered turf management was the fact that he could go and work in different parts of the world and see the world as he's doing it. Um, so definitely. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. The opportunity is endless, um, especially. And another thing, when we talk about kids who are interested in going into the industry, I always tell them um, it's not something you do to like get super rich or anything like that, even though there's great opportunity to make a lot of money. Um, but it will take you wherever you want to go in this world, no matter what. You know, If you want to go live in a no-name town in the middle of Kansas, and be happy in your small town and work on a golf course. There are golf courses in Kansas where no one knows where you are and you can enjoy your life the way you want it. If you want to go work at Wimbledon, you can work your butt off and work for Will and Neil and try and work your way up to a full-time position. And you're in England now for the rest of your life, living your dream, you know? <laughs> um, but there are so many different things that, again, a lot of industries don't offer that ours do. And I think that's a big thing that, uh, has starting to come up in conversations with the STMA and starting to come up as a uh, um, sort of recruiting point for individuals for the industry. So it's definitely, it's great to see. And, and the, your program, again, like you said, it's, it's world renowned. I mean, we knew about it when I was in college and I even tried, I think once I was 
hesitant because I'm not really a world traveler, to be quite honest. But <laughs> I was thinking of maybe trying to go over to England, but then I was like, eh, I'm going to stay put and I'll, I'll go over to Pittsburgh or something, you know. Um, with all of this, though, like you said, you've had graduates who have gone to these different places. Uh, I know you have Weston. We had a Weston on as well, Appefeller. Um, and then like my former boss, Matt, can you sort of discuss the different individuals that you've worked with um, that, again, you were talking about meeting new people at these conferences that you have created such a, a vast network of wherever that is um, and what it's been like for you to sort of see as a mentor, those kids that were in your classroom grow into the highest levels in sports turf. It's been phenomenal. Um, it's, I, I always start my classes, whatever class I teach of talking about what I hope my legacy will be, which will be the students and their success. And then asking my students what they think their legacy might be. Um, so it's phenomenal. You know, you see someone like Wes Applefeller who, who, I mean, is, is in Austin, Texas right now. And then he's mentoring Rachel Klein. Rachel was a graduate of ours who, went over and she worked at Everton Football Club um, last year. She actually got stranded. She got over there in March of 2020, and then the whole world shut down. And so she was stranded in Liverpool, England, on her own. Um, and you know what? She was given the opportunity to come home, and she didn't. Uh, she, she stuck it out, and she ended up completing her internship. She came back here and got a four-year degree, and now she's at Austin with Weston, and he's mentoring her, and and so it's really nice to see these people that I, you know, came through our program and now they're out there and now they're mentoring the next generation. It's just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, we do seem to have a really good, um, a really good network in this, in the soccer, in the MLS. We've got a tremendous amount of ex Ohio state graduates in the MLS. We have some in the NFL and, and major leagues and minor league baseball too, but um, and I don't know whether that's because of our connection with Arsenal uh, and that program we've had, but it's been it's been phenomenal. It's, it doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't get any better than seeing a, a graduate of Ohio State. You know, we've got Matt over there at the San Francisco 49ers. We've got, um, you know, even Dave, Dave Meller. He's a Boston Red Sox. He's an OSU grad uh, before I was here, but he was a, an OSU grad. So uh, it's it doesn't get any better than that and like you said it doesn't have to be a major league stadium either I've got we've got graduates who I've got a, a good friend Ryan who he ran the Columbus Parks and Rec fields for many years and now he started his own company and he's out there building fields and creating his own his own legacy you know he's building fields for high schools and working with these different groups and doing some charitable work for different groups and that's pretty awesome too you know it's um and then I've got students who work in, like you said, little park and rec districts in the middle of nowhere, and they're living their life, man. They're living their dream, you know, whether it's Montana or Oklahoma or wherever they are. Um, they're loving they're loving their life. They're, they're enjoying their work. They're loving their life, and it doesn't get any better than that. That's, that's awesome. I had a, a pretty surreal experience uh, last weekend. Um, so I, I worked on the grounds for Virginia Tech when I went to school there, um, working for Casey Underwood, and he lets me come back. And I've been going back to work the games for since I graduated four years ago or so. Um, but this was the first year that um, 
I showed up and my kids are on the grounds crew. My alumni are on the grounds crew there. So I actually worked a game with two of my students and I was like, well, this is it's kind of a crazy moment, you know, to sort of walk onto the field in the same sort of position as they are and uh, see sort of your work show something. So, yeah, I completely understand it is. It's it's a crazy feeling, you know, um, but I'll get off the sappy stuff. I apologize. <laughs> um Sort of going with what we were talking about, again, that regional uh, work. Uh, another part of what you've accomplished there at Ohio State is the research that you've done for sports fields, you know, um, which, again, when it comes to sports field management, research is the driving force behind, again, what we're doing on a day-to-day basis, whether that's aerating or verticutting or whatever it is that we're focusing on. It's based on research with uh, like individuals like you do. Um how has that been uh, for you to be able to conduct research maybe with the Columbus crew or the local uh, Parks and Rec or just there on campus um, for you sort of working towards where you're at now? And do you have any cool, exciting projects in the works for the future that we might hear about? So it's, yeah, the, the research that we do at Ohio State, um, you know, like every other turf program across the country, some of the research we do is product evaluation. So whether it's herbicides, insecticides, disease, you know, um, fungicides, anything like that. So we do some product evaluations and then we have several graduate students who'll work, um, who will pick a project. So we've got one right now, she's called Cassie. She's working on shade. She's working on turf grasses that grow in shade. Uh, I'm actually going to meet her tomorrow um, because she's going to be loaning the, the Clegg impact hammer and some of the other sort of sports turf equipment that we have for evaluating surfaces. So we'll have graduate students that do that. And then, and then most of the applied research that we do comes from just asking questions or something failing or something happening. And I'm saying, Oh my gosh, how do we fix this? So, you know, one of the things we've had recently is the fall army worm, um, destruction <laughs> in ohio and, the light uh, way of putting it right <laughs> oh we've had whole i mean it's just it's been phenomenal i've never seen anything like it in my life but um you know we've been told for years that tall fescue has you know these endophytes in them and the endophytes will prevent uh, surface feeding insects like army worms and chinch bugs and, and bluegrass billbugs well it appears that they like turf turf type tall fescue and so one of the questions we have now is, well, what grasses didn't they eat? And it turns out, actually, and Dr. Shetler was talking about this last week, they're not eating the Kentucky bluegrasses. Not the old common types, but all of the new cultivars of Kentucky bluegrasses seem to be left alone. And he said, you know, maybe we do things like we put uh, edges of Kentucky bluegrass around fields and around golf greens and um we start looking at these bluegrasses. So it's that's where a lot of the research comes from is, is just trying to fix problems and issues. And then and then some of it is just technology driven. So I know you've had Dr. Chase Straw on um, and he's doing phenomenal work tracking athletes and what are athletes doing to the surface. And then Sorokin's down there in Tennessee and he's doing similar work and looking at different surfaces and shoes. Like how do the shoes interact with different surfaces? And um so a lot of it's technology driven. I've always been my applied research. I've really enjoyed working with how to establish safe playing surfaces during heavy traffic. So that's really been my forte. 
I also did my master's and I've had a, I had a graduate student come through and do her master's on um, hybrid systems, how we manage hybrid systems. Um, so turf grass selection, establishment, hybrid systems. I've done some product development, mainly with uh, plant growth regulators. So I did a lot of work with growth regulation under traffic, things like that. Um, so I do a lot of the agronomic stuff. Um, I don't do as much as I would like. Uh, again, I would like to get back into the get get back into that. Um, but we have a team, you know, we've got a whole team here who, who do all different kinds of research too. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of where I am with the research right now. Sounds fantastic. Um, something a little off topic, but you mentioned it. Um, the hybrid systems, you know, they're really big back in England. Um, do you see it? taking off here have you seen hybrid systems go in uh in the u.s um and if there is a place that you think that is best applicable where would that be um because again when you're talking about high traffic areas i mean a lot of areas in our county i we have a again i can't say it's an issue because well it is an issue but most of our high schools are getting artificial turf fields put in I don't think it's necessary. Our field has played well. We've had very few rainouts over the four years that I've been here because of what our kids are doing. Obviously, everybody doesn't have that, but middle schools in our county are worn down to nothing because they're not enclosed. They're just open to the communities around. Um, is there places that you could see it sort of having a bigger role when it comes to people uh, to places in the U.S.? Um, and sort of why, sorry, <laughs> if that's worded correctly. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. No, the hybrid systems are sand that stabilizing the high profile sun-based root zones. And so I think it won't go beyond that just because it's going to be cost restrictive for everybody else. Um, so if you're, you know, professional soccer team or a football team and you have a sand root zone, it's a great system for stabilizing that. So either the injected fibers, like the Grassmaster fibers, or the carpet types, uh, like the Moats product or Cisgrass or any of those. Um, I've done research mainly with the carpet types, um, but they only last for a few years because you do get buildup of organic on them. Um, and they can be cost restrictive for a lot of the, like you said, you know, the middle and high school so uh, the hybrid systems really aren't multi-use in that way. Um, they're extremely beneficial on these high-profile systems, but they're very, they have to be very uniquely managed. The organic buildup is a, an issue. Firmness, hardness can become an issue. Um, and sometimes it can be difficult to reestablish grasses on them and, and it can be difficult to clean them off. You know, in, in Europe, one of the things they do in Europe, and they probably talk to you about this when you talk to the European sports turf people, they completely clean their fields off every summer. So like at Manchester City, after the last game, they go in and they take everything off right back down to the root zone and reseed fresh for the next season. But, you know, they've got time to do that. They've got from, you know, early June to mid-August. That's I know it's still a short window, but they've got that window, which because of the, the times they play, Columbus Crew is going to play till, you know, end of October, beginning of November and start again in March. <laughs> and in between, we've got snow. <laughs> so gotta we got to love it. And that might be one of the reasons why we don't have the hybrid systems as much in America is because we have these extremes, you know, we, don't, we have very long playing seasons and, and very short windows of opportunity for renovation. 
Um, and I think the money can be an issue as well. Um, what you do with those middle school fields, you know, you've just got to, they've got to invest, they've got to appreciate, you've got to get the message out that if you want a nice field, you've got to put the investment in. Um, you've got to have product and you've got to have, I've been out and done extension visits through to so many school fields and they'll tell, they'll say, we have the money. What do we do? But if, if nobody's there, knows what to do or how to take care of it, that's the problem. You know, we can throw money at these fields, but if nobody knows what, if, if we make it look great and then we walk away, then what happens? Like it needs somebody at the school who knows how to take care of them. So it just, it needs investment and it needs, it needs turf managers on the ground to be able to, 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 you know, grow grass. Couldn't agree with you more. You know, I, I pitched a couple of years back, um, two sports serve managers for, uh, main, like the big cultural practices, you know, like a spray tech aerating, uh, verticutting. Uh, so you have one on each end of our County and they're doing all of that work. And then they have a assistant athletic director in the building. Who's like, they can do events for the athletic director, but at the same time, they're trained on the basics of mowing, uh, and all the stuff for painting and all that. So again, like with that, you have the day to day, but on the upper level of the county you have the rest that is being taken care of by those two individuals you know which probably isn't enough but at the same time it's a start you know um and with our pro with our kids we've been able to again get a lot of that good information out to athletic directors in our county um we're actually going around working on different fields uh we just gotta walk behind air raider you're talking about earlier we're gonna help a bunch of different schools alleviate a lot of their issues that they have with their fields when it comes to drainage and uh just overall compaction that they're having in their uh playing services so it's been great not just for our kids but also for our county uh with our program to sort of spread that knowledge and understanding uh and the significance of it you know because again a lot of people again Back to the not knowing what a sports surf manager is, they just expect the field to play, right? So uh, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, you sort of brought it up uh, with the fall army worms, and I had a question written out about it. Um, when it comes to extension and events like this happening, there have been so many posts on Twitter about fall army worms here, there, and whatnot. It's one of the biggest like events again for turf grass this year that have, has occurred. What is it like for you to sort of work uh, cross region? You know, maybe with uh, a Dr. Goatley or like you were talking about Sorokin at Tennessee and Chase down in Texas, uh, sort of discussing different subjects while they're sort of happening in real time. Uh, events like this, if it's just this time, or if it's again maybe more than. Uh, again, just the state of Ohio. Uh, what is that like? And how are you guys able to sort of share data and ideas on certain things like you were talking about bluegrass? They don't go after the new uh, cultivars. Maybe we can do surrounding things, sort of like a, a, a marigold around your garden, you know, st stuff like that, where um, that is a game changer, you know? And it, what is that sort of like for you and, and for the other professors, again, in the US? Well, this might sound a bit trivial, <laughs> but I think that Twitter has become the ultimate platform for turf people. Um, so when the fall armyworm thing hit, obviously we're very fortunate here because we have Dave Shetler, entomologist, who 
I text him all the time. If I, you know, I can text Dave, I can call him, I can email him, I can get an immediate response. And we're very lucky to have him here. Even though he's retired, we won't let him go. Um, but what I did join the fall army worm is that I would follow, I would just make sure I read and followed what all the other entomologists around the country were saying and doing. So like Rick Brandenburg and Doug Richmond, I've got their names written down on this piece of paper next to me on a pad. Uh, I, I Doug Richmond was posting stuff about the fall army worms and, and how to, you know, what to do about it and how to recover your, how to recover your turf. And Rick Brandenburg was posting stuff. And I just, I follow these people and I make sure I read everything that they're doing so that I can disseminate that information out to, to people in the state via social media or email or whatever, on our website, whatever we need to do. Um, so do we, it's very rare that I'll pick up the phone and have a phone call with someone like John Sorokin, but we text and we follow each other on social media. And I, so I think social media is probably the one, the one way that we all connect. And definitely Twitter seems to be the cool place where all the, all the cool turf people hang out. Uh, that is true. Twitter is definitely the <laughs> Twitter is definitely the the turf world of things. You know, <laughs> I've seen some Instagram stuff come up, but that's way more lawn care than anything else when it comes to ours. So nothing wrong with that. But I know sports turf and golf are on Twitter. So definitely um, with everything that sort of ha- goes into sports turf. One of the big things that a lot of people obviously know is the STMA and the role that they play um for again just sports turf managers in general um could you sort of talk how the sports turf managers association uh plays a role in your position as an educator at a collegiate level um and how you sort of seen the organization sort of grow in that sense of playing a role in what you do uh over the years yeah so um i joined immediately when i came in 99 and you know the very first thing that happened when i arrived the ostma the ohio chapter of the stma boyd montgomery was the president at the time and he literally called me and said welcome to ohio we want you to be on the board <laughs> sounds like boyd <laughs> i just thought i called him the other day so i, I have never come across anything like that before drew i have never I, I had never come across an association that just said, welcome, come help, be on the board. Um, you know, it used to be sort of, you know, you used to talk about it being the gentleman's club. You know, it was uh, unless you were unless you were known and you were asked and invited, you did, you know, you didn't get a voice. So to come over to the United States and immediately be asked to be involved was just it blew my mind. Um, and then STMA, same thing. I went to my first STMA conference in 2000 in St. Louis. And I was, I was a female. I didn't know anybody. There was virtually no women there. Um, and I was just, Marty Kaufman came up and introduced himself. And then he introduced me to 10 more people. And then they introduced me to 10 more. And I came home with like a thousand new friends. Um, so this industry is just incredibly friendly, open, friendly, accepting. Um, so I think that's, that's the unique thing about STMA. And they, I've, I've served on the board and they purposefully uh, they purposefully talk about our association being a family, being inclusive, being friendly, helping each other out. They use those words a lot and they make a point of doing that. Um, they want to make sure everybody's included and nobody feels you know lost at a conference or anything like that. The, the information they've put out, the CSFM certification, and now they're going to have a, another one, right? They're going to have one like a pre- 
CSFM, they're going to have a different yeah, level. It's, uh, of uh, sports turf specialist, I believe. It's more, it's more geared towards my students at the high school level and kids or individuals that are trying to get started in the industry without like um, really going to college. You know, I have a student he's right now discussing. Um, I haven't talked to Chad yet, but he wants to go maybe work for Chad Price down in Carolina Green to sort of see if he wants to pursue turf. Um, but again, he's sort of he's intrigued by the farming part of it and being able to install. So he's thinking about doing that. And my, one of my things was recommending that program and that certificate to sort of, again, have that. At least you can say you have this, you know, and it's great um, for a lot of people. So sorry to interrupt. No, 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 no. I think what I think. You know what? I think what you're doing is phenomenal. And yeah, that certificate program that STMA's brought out is great. I mean, that's the kind of thing they're doing. They're not just bringing out educational materials. They're bringing out programs that will give more professional recognition to the sports turf manager. And that's really important. Um, over the years, I know we signed a contract years ago, years ago with sort of an advertising group. And their job is to get out the good stories and the and the, you know, the professionalism of the industry. And I think they've done a great job in that. Um, I love how they've evolved over the years to be more inclusive. And so, um, you know, we've only got, I think, 3% women in the industry, but, you know, look at the board this year, there's three women on the board this year. Um, and they're reaching out to all races, all cultures, all genders, and encouraging people, you know, get on these committees put yourself forward on the board. Let's, let's, let's open up the demographics. Um, I mean, it is traditionally, you know, it's, it's traditionally a white male industry. Um, but I love, I love that they are making a concerted effort to open it up to everybody. And I think that's what a lot of young people want to see. I think they want to see, they want to see diversity and they want to feel included and their representation. They want to see themselves represented in an industry if they're going to join it. So They've made strides in that. They've made strides in the technical information, um, the certificate programs. I'm trying to think what else they've done. I mean, their conference is second to none. If your students go, they're going to have such a fantastic time. So welcoming, so friendly, so infor uh, informative. Um, I always learn something when I go. But to be honest with you, the reason I go is for the people. Um, I do. I mean, I like the education sessions, but I go because... I want to see the people and I want to meet new people and learn from each other. And, you know, we have an academic session where I get to meet all the academics from around the country. And, well, what are you doing to increase student numbers? Or what are you doing to increase student numbers? We can learn from each other, help each other. Um, so, yeah, I, STMA has been absolutely phenomenal in what they've done over the, the last 22 years that I've been a member. Um, yeah. So I would encourage everybody to join. And if you can't, you know, you can't join at the national level or anything like that, definitely get involved at your chapter level. Um, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid of joining your local chapter level and putting yourself forward for the board or writing a magazine article for the newsletter. I mean, don't be afraid of doing that. Yeah, well, I just joined our board this year. So it's been a lot of fun, a lot of good stuff going on here in Virginia. So I, again, it's, it's definitely something to get involved in. Um, and I couldn't agree with you more on the going and seeing people at the conference. You know, this past year was rough on a lot of people because, again, yes, you sort of saw them on the computer. But at the same time, it's not the same as, again, sitting down and talking for hours about different things that could be happening. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. Again, I hope that we're all good and COVID's not going to mess with us. Just going to knock on wood. 
Um, but bringing a few kids who are looking to join the industry and whatnot, I think it'll be uh, life changing. So I am excited for that. Um, one thing, again, we're talking about students right now. You were talking about recruiting. Um, for you at Ohio State, what is sort of your pitch to, again, say one of our students that would be um, interested in a turf management program? What is it that about the Ohio State that makes it the, you know, Ohio State, uh, especially when it comes to turf grass? Because, again, I know you guys have a fantastic program, and with everything you have going on, it's a no-brainer to go. Um but again, there are a few that are no brainers, you know? So what is it about Ohio state that you think is the big draw for our students? Well, I think, uh, well, first of all, we have the two year program, like a lot, a lot of other universities around the country. We have a two year program based at Worcester, which is about an hour North of Columbus. And then we have the four year program in Columbus. Um, I would think one of the benefits of our program is just the international flavor of it. Because we have the Mike O'Keefe inter International Internship, um, we do encourage our students to travel, to go on, on an international internship or at least a national internship. And we work with them on making sure those internships are just, you know, phenomenal experiences. Uh, we just have so many, like you said, you know, around the just up the street, we've got Columbus Crew, the Columbus Clippers. An hour away, we've got the Cincinnati Bengals, the Browns, uh, the Indians. Um, we've got some phenomenal turf managers in town that come and do guest lectures and we do visits, you know. Um, my sports turf class right now is online. But when I offer this in face-to-face, -face, um, we go out and we visit all these places. We'll go over and see, we'll see Brian Gimbel at OSU Athletics. Phenomenal, you know, phenomenal facilities there. He'll take students and they'll... I've got students that will work for Brian part-time around their classes to earn extra money, or they'll work on the golf course, or they'll work at the turf grass research facility with us at the same time as taking classes. So that's good for two reasons. Number one, they earn a bit of money. Um, but number two, they develop relationships with us. So we've even had, we've had students that are, let's say in ad business, and they work at the turf research farm just because they want some extra money. And then they're like, what is this industry? This is turf. You can get a career in turf and they'll switch majors. Um, you know, so offering students on campus the ability to work at the golf course, OSU Athletics and the turf farm has helped us recruit students. Um, the international thing obviously helps. We're a friendly bunch. Uh our, you know, we, we talk about the Ohio State University, but that's kind of tongue in cheek because I'll tell you that the turf grass team at Ohio State are the most humble, down to earth, nice people you could ever meet. And so when our students come to talk to us, um, you'll hear laughter like we'll have a student come see Dr. Danny Berger and I'll just hear laughter for 15 minutes because he's out there telling stories and and making them laugh and making those connections. And, you know, I think there's a lot of professors out there that aren't like that. You know, I, I teach a lot of business students. Um, they take my plant science class. They're from the business school. And one of them actually told me a few years ago, he came to see me and I, I just was like, come in, sit down. You know, I'm having a cup of coffee. Would you like a cup of coffee or can I get you something to drink? And we were chatting and everything. And he said, there's no way I could do this for my professor in the business school. They don't, they would not give me this time of day. They would not interact with me like this. Um, so I think that's what's unique about us. And when I say us, I don't mean Ohio State. I mean the industry again, because uh, I know Mike Goatley and Sorokin and McNitt, they're all saying, you know, 
but they're all the same. They're all these down-to-earth people that are very approachable. And um, I think that's why a lot of people join our majors is because we make those connections. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, and again, I think that that's also huge. The whole opportunity of students who are not in the uh, major, because I've seen it at Tech too when I was there. I was like, see, this is a lot of fun. Everybody, <laughs> I always, whenever I was in school, everybody was like, what's your major? I'm like, I had to giggle a little bit before I told them. I was like, I'm a turf grass major. They're like, what? I was like, oh, I've worked, I've worked for the Mets and I got to work the World Series. They're like, oh, that's so cool. Like, I didn't realize that's a thing. I'm like, exactly. So don't laugh at me. Okay. Let me laugh at myself and then you can come, come join us, you know? Um, but no, I couldn't agree with you more on that either. Uh, um, with everything, uh, sorry, sort of shifting a little bit. Um, you're talking about moving back towards extension more. Um, what is your hope for the future when it comes to extension? Because again, extension agents are again, lifesavers for so many different people, whether that's again, in your case, it'll be athletic directors and different uh, sports turf managers and parks and rec and whatnot. What is it that you're doing? Um, obviously you were talking about in December, you have an event coming up. Um, what do you hope to go beyond that here in the future, in the coming years? So one of the things I'm really excited about, I talked with Brian Smith again at the Sylvania schools about this is trying, I'm going to get hold of all the ag teachers in the state. So people like you, so people that have these fantastic turf programs at their high schools. Um, I'm hope I'm plan on, uh, reaching out to all the ag programs in Ohio and maybe, you know, do school visits and see what they need. Ask them what they need. How can I help you? How can I help you recruit high school students into your turf program? Um, how can I help you um, develop materials or can we do videos? Can we do guest lectures? What can we do to help? So that's one of my goals. Um, another one of my goals is uh, to update all the fact sheets because I think even with social media, there's still a huge audience out there of people that want fact sheets. Um, how do I build a soccer field? How do I, you know, get rid of thatch in my home lawn? How do what, you know, how do I look after grass in an organic way if I can't use pesticides? So uh, we are working on updating all our fact sheets, and that's kind of a big endeavor at the moment. I'd like to offer more online certificates. Uh, we've talked about an organic turf certificate. I'd love to do a diagnostic one. Uh, where people click through and they have to identify grasses, diseases, insects. Um, wouldn't it be great to have something like that for, uh, you know, a study guide for the STMA quiz bowl, something like that. I also talked with Brian Smith about starting at the Ohio Turf Foundation conference in December. We used to have a turf bowl where we invited all the local high schools to come and compete and then they would get a trophy. Um, so we're going to reinst we're going to resurrect that for the OTF conference this December. So we'll be inviting all the two-year colleges, the career centers, and the high schoolers to come in and compete for that. Um, and then the STEM camp, I want to do more with these. It doesn't have to be a week-long STEM camp, but we can do like a Saturday morning, come to the turf farm on a Saturday morning and, you know, uh, we'll show you how to service a mower or we'll show you how to, you know, do something hands-on and fun. Um, so we've had programs like this for FFA and 4-H in the past, but I think there's so many other groups that we could, that we could get to as well. Like I'm a scout leader. Um, I teach an environmental science merit badge. We can do that at the turf farm, you know, we can bring in 
we can bring in scouts all over central Ohio and say, Saturday, whatever day, come in and you can earn your environmental science merit badge. You're going to be at the turf farm. Oh, and by the way, while you're here, I'm going to tell you about this great career in turf. <laughs> Worked so, out perfectly. <laughs> those are the kinds of things I want to do. <laughs> I, I love the camp. The camp is huge because, again, depending on what you're doing, it's going to catch the eye of at least two or three of the 20 kids that are there, you know, and that's all it takes is to make that next step um, towards again, maybe joining Brian's program and then coming to you after that, you know? And I, I think that at that age, especially going into say a high school or a middle school, like having an idea, it's, it's crazy to me how it's become, uh, especially in our County at the, the eighth grade year, you have a decision to make of what school you're going to. Um, and we have all these different specialty programs from ours to plumbing to, again, the AP programs slash IB, all the uh, ed- educational based ones that are uh, more appealing to people because, again, college ready and whatnot. But at, 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 as an eighth grader who's, again, I think it's like 13 years old. I could be wrong on that age. I apologize. Um, I don't pay attention to ages when it comes to grades. But they're making like a college level decision with their high school, you know, and understanding like, okay, well, if I'm going down this path, this is what I want to do, you know. But at the same time, again, it's just a completely life changing choice, you know. High schools where you meet a lot of good friends that you hold on to later on in life and whatnot. So again, it's crazy to me how again we are seeing that like decision going lower and lower in a kid's life, you know um when it comes to their age so yeah I, I i think the camps are huge i've talked to dr goatley about doing camps and whatnot you know uh outside of the ffa uh, i know here in virginia they just now got a cde which is the uh um competition at the state conference for ffa um which apparently they've been trying for like 10 years um but I would prefer to take kids down to tech for a week if not just for, again, what the FFA wants, but for just turf and for just Dr. Goodley to have time with kids and show them whatnot. Um, We go down for a field trip and that field trip alone, there are so many opportunities for our kids to learn. And I think I've had like seven kids that have come home from a field trip and have said, I want to go and I want to pursue turf, you know, like, just from a field trip. So again, I think the camps are incredible and definitely run with those. So um, we sort of wrap up each of our uh, podcasts with these two questions. Um, Sorry again to shift on you so quickly. (laughs) Um, If there was something that you wish you could know when you first started in the industry, maybe this was in England, maybe this was here at Ohio state. um, What would that, and it's not to make life easier or anything, but you wish you knew um, what would that be and why? Hmm. What did I wish I knew? So I have, and I think a lot of people do, and actually I think a lot of British people do, we have imposter syndrome. Do you know what that is? I do not. I'm going to be <laughs> honest. I do not know. It's where you feel like you're not good enough to belong. Like, you know, it's like being invited to a meeting and sitting against the wall and feeling like I can't say anything. I shouldn't say anything, you know? So when I first got here, I had imposter syndrome. You know, I was this young girl from America, from England and here I am in America and people are listening to me 
And I was going on these extension visits and these like awesome sports turf managers were asking my advice. And you just feel like it's just, you can't believe that you're in this position. You don't feel like you belong. You don't feel like you're entitled enough to be in that position. So what I wish I knew back then, and I'm getting better at it, is to not feel like that. Um, Years ago, when we went to the Women's Forum at STMA, we got given a book by the CEO of Facebook. I forget her name now. Anyway, she had this chapter and it was was called Sit at the Table. So if you're invited to a meeting, sit at the table. They've invited you to the meeting because they they want your opinion. So I tell my students, if you're invited to the meeting, you go and you sit at the table. Don't sit on the edge. Sit at the table. Use your voice. Use your voice. Give your opinion. Um, don't be a shrinking wallflower. Don't have imposter syndrome. You're invited because they want you there. So that's one thing I wish I'd have known earlier. I'm getting better at it, but I wish I'd have known that earlier in my career. I'm going to use that. I love that. That's awesome. You know, the the saying, you know, again, like it's it's a high school student's sort of worst nightmare to have to talk in front of a group sometimes, you know, and having kids understand that they do have a place in this world and they, they're going to find it, whether that's turf or something else, you know, that's one of the biggest things as a, as an educator in high school, you're trying to achieve for them, you know? So I, I think that's definitely something that is a good, of good use to children of that age, you know, and even again, like you said, us, I'm very much like that. I'm like, I'm here, but uh, <laughs> call on me if you want, but I'm not going to say anything until I'm spoken to, you know, but no, I, I definitely need to live by that too. So um, with everything again, and I can't thank you enough for all the time. Um, the last thing we usually ask, again, this is more geared towards our students here at Brentsville. Um, what would be your best words of advice for them uh, looking to enter uh, again, that next stage in their life, you know, uh, whether that's turf industry, college, um, going into the workforce, what would be your best words of advice for them uh, and why? So um, my advice to them would be to look at yourself inwardly and, and catch yourself when you're at your happiest moments, what you enjoy doing. You know, if you really enjoy art, if you really enjoy the turf program that you're taking at class, if you really enjoy playing the trumpet, I don't know what it is, you know, if you really enjoy playing video games, whatever it is, you're at your happiest, try and make that into a career. It isn't about the money. I know you can't, you know, you need money to pay bills and, and everything else. I know. But pick something that you really enjoy doing and make that a career. You can make a successful career out of anything if you work hard enough and you want it hard enough so pick something you love pick something you enjoy um right now i i saw a little clip on tiktok i do love tiktok and there was this guy who said uh you know there's all these engineering students and all these you know um computer science students and all this he's like i really wish i could hire someone in the arts who knew how to promote my program create you know, great YouTube videos, create great TikTok content, create beautiful photographs of my company. I need those types of people coming out from college. And so, yeah, who would have thought that, you know? Uh, so whatever it is you really enjoy, make that, make that your career. And, and then it won't feel like a job for the rest of your life. You'll, I never, my job, I come so lucky. It never feels like a chore. I'm never bored. I never get up in the morning and go, oh God, I've got to go to work. Like I, 
I love what I do. Make sure that's really important for your, for your quality of life. Pick something you really like to do. Perfect. Yep. That's, that's definitely uh, a huge thing. And I, and that's crazy to me because I sort of found that in teaching too. You know, I never really, I sort of fell into this. This was not my plan, but uh, being able to teach while teaching my passion has been sort of the greatest thing I've been able to do in my life. So I, I again, could not agree with you more on that. So um, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time. And again, I'm sorry for moving the date and everything, but this was phenomenal. I had a great time. And again, everything was absolutely perfect. So we really can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for having me say hi to your students. I hope I'm going to meet them in Savannah. Georgia, yes, and, uh, yes. but actually to see each other face to face would be fantastic.